Hello. Oh, you're in my ears now. Cool. Uh, am I in your your ears? Yes. You're, well, you're always in my, you're always in my head. I'm in your. I'm always in your Facebook page. <laughs> That's where I always always am. Oh my gosh. Oh Don. I did not think I mentioned you that much on Facebook, but Maybe. apparently. Uh, Numbers don't lie. Me either. And now I'm scared to actually do my do, <laughs> myself because here's why. I don't want you. What if you're not? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm not. And I'm then you're going to feel totally bad. And it's okay. I'm, I'll get over it. it. You know what I think mine's going to say? Hockey. Yep. Hurricanes. Toronto Maple yep. Leafs. Toronto. Yep. Yep. Um, barf. The, barf. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, you can uh, take your um, – the thing that's happening right now across my Facebook page and your Facebook page is that uh, you can have Facebook calculate up all of the words that you have used in posts and make them a word map, I think they're called, word something. Word, word cloud. Word cloud, word, word cloud. And uh, it'll show the words that you say the most uh, largest. And on Dawn's, um, I, I'm not. I'm, I, I would say that I'm not fully unbiased. It looks like my name is the largest thing. Ben and Chapman. And Chapman, yes. Yeah. Brett Michaels does not appear. That's the most important. Does not. Although someone did suggest the that. Well, I. I think I. Well, let's see. Let's get the chronology right. I think I suggested um, that um, my. Uh, but dog is also mentioned. Dog is mentioned. Multiple and then times. and then and then someone someone said uh, uh, is is your dog's name Chapman, and I said uh, what a great dog name. And then you said uh, no, it's Brett Michaels. And then and then oh, and then you have a picture of Brett Michaels with, with dogs. dogs, of course, because that's that's what I do on the internet now is trying to find anything related to Brett Michaels that is related to something that your dog is doing. Exactly, like exactly. like um, uh, Brett Michaels eating out of a yogurt container. <laughs> frozen yogurt, which is uh, which was last week's challenge. Well, which was uh, which was successfully solved by Michelle Deneluck, who who used Photoshop, right? Of course she did. I'm chewing. Oh. I'm sorry. Welcome to Facebook Talk. Yeah, <laughs> Facebook Safety Talk. Don't put your privacy settings up high. Don't uh, don't share pictures that aren't yours. And uh, yeah, um. So how are you? I'm I'm, ha- I'm having a really good day, Don. Like, and I'm I'm saying that not facetiously. I'm having an excellent day. I'm I'm glad to hear it. I'm having a pretty good day. A pretty good day, like a pretty good day. Like on a scale of fair. one one to one, one to, to ten, ele- it's one to one, eleven. Let's one go. to eleven, I'm I'm fair to Midland. Mm. I'm in the Upper Birmingham area, mm. um, and I would say that uh, I am in the. I, 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 it's about sixteen Celsius. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've talked to my, some of my favorite people today. Oh, you, as as Facebook would have it. I talked yes. to to our our friend uh, Renee Boyer. Uh huh. I talked to our friend Leanne Jakus. Uh huh. And we we met about things and and are moving forward with some fun things. And, and, and I think I think you made a new friend today too. I did make a new friend. <laughs> we made a friend. I, I probably we I shouldn't talk about, but a contact that you made uh, provided me and uh, had a really good conversation about. Uh, food safety culture with someone who's interested in food safety culture. Yeah, so a company that I've had a long time relationship with, great company, um, called and asked and said, "We want to do more with food safety, but we're not sure what to do." I said, "I think you need to get food safety culture." And I, I got a guy. I got a guy, my food safety culture guy. I'll yeah. hook you up. And and, uh, and and this guy that that you put me in contact with was like Don Schaffner. That guy. Every time we ask him a question, he sends us to good people. <laughs> Send us to good people. So, well, so that's I'm I, I, I'm glad that we're we're good people. No, and 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 you know, and it's so funny because within minutes, uh, I got an email from this person and a text from you saying, "Like, what a lovely time you guys had chatting with each we other." We did. So, it was like a first date yeah. that went so well. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of first dates, mm. have you are you are you watching um, Master of None Mm-mm. on on the Netflix? I am not. You should check this show out. It is. Um, uh, Aziz Ansari. Oh yes, and it is not only is it beautiful, like beautiful, like beautiful in a sense that I really enjoy watching. Um, uh, what what do I enjoy watching? I enjoy watching Quentin Tarantino movies mm-hmm. for the story, for the violence, and mm-hmm. for the beauty of the art. Mm-hmm. This is is. Uh, it's not Tarantino-like, but it's just shot very beautifully. Hmm. Like, not shot like a TV show at all. Shot like a bunch of movies. Huh. 
Interesting. Um, it's really it's really great. Um, check it out. Uh, it's sort of uh, based on. So he's Aziz Ansari is a comedian. He was on Parks and Rec. He's been in. Um, he was in a movie called Funny People. I think it was called Funny People. Wait, is that the Barbara Streisand movie? I think you're thinking of Funny Girl. Yeah, he's not in Funny Girl. He's not, he's in Funny People. Oh, got he's, it. He's not really. But I wonder if I wonder if uh, Barbara Streisand is in Funny People too. Could she be. Was in, she was in a movie as someone's dad or someone's dad, someone's mom that I saw, like a Judd Apatow. Anyway, anyway, so he's in that movie uh, as a. Uh, uh, a comedian, and mm-hmm. uh, this Netflix show tells kind of the story about um, him, like it's like a like an autobiography sort of. But it's oh. you know it's about a um, uh, an Indian kid uh, who I guess in the movie grew up in New York City, okay. um, or lives in New York City. His parents are there, uh, but is breaking into acting, and he's really funny, and he's hanging out with all these friends in New York, and it's just it's awesome. You got to check it out. All right, got it. got it. it. And they make fun of Netflix watchers <laughs> in a way because it's it's very meta. Mm-hmm. Um, they are what you watch Sherlock, right? On yes. Netflix. So there's uh, in episode three of um, uh, Master of None. There's a whole like uh, uh, like uh, story arc around watching Sherlock on Netflix and how people watch things. And every time they watch something on Netflix. They say things like, this is the greatest show of all time. It's my favorite show of ever, ever, ever. Just as favorite as my last favorite show that I watched on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it was me. I was laughing at it. I was like, ah, it's literally what's happening to me right now in this show. It's about this show. So it's so cool. Well, it's, it's, very, it's you know, it's nice to see, too. I mean, that this is a, you know, Netflix original series and, it, and they can do stuff. That is that is innovative, and that's and that's exciting, and and it's it's cool that they are self aware enough to make fun of Netflix. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome, and in their I, I like I like where TV is gone, Don. I like where where serial shows have gone because of this. Like this just is another reason for me to never watch network television. Yep. Um, yep. Absolutely. Hey, and speaking of speaking of uh, things related to television, uh, do you have the new Apple TV? Oh, do I ever? Okay. Do I ever? Do you have the new Apple TV? I do. Uh, do you love it? It's it's very good. I, I'm not sure I love it. What? But I love I love my six I love my six S. I can definitely love that. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, but no, it's good. It's good. You know, and the problem is we're we are still like a, most of our television comes from TiVo. Ah. Um, although increasingly, yes, Netflix and, and iTunes and things like that. Actually, speaking of iTunes and speaking of popular culture, um, we recently watched the uh, Pixar movie Inside Out. Great movie. Great, great movie. Yep. Great, great movie. So, yeah. so yes, I have my Apple TV. Why I love it. It's faster. It's faster streaming. And, and here's mm. where I would notice it maybe where you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of. Um, hockey through my Apple TV through the NHL. NHL, mm-hmm. yeah, and it would lag before, and I always thought it was my internet, mm-hmm. and I think it was just my old, like second generation Apple TV because the one that I had, it's probably my old one was probably five or six years old, um, and the you know whatever processor I don't know blah 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 nerd mm-hmm. nerd, um, it was it's mark um, measurably different by my eyes, and I love it, and the mm-hmm. games are great. Um, have you downloaded any games? My kids love it. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a great game for iPhone called Alto's Adventure, yeah. um, and, and I have that for the Apple TV, and it's really nice. And I haven't played it in a long time, uh, but it's really nice. So I have uh, I have that game. I haven't. I've, I've a bunch of a bunch of the nerds on podcasts I listen to have been talking about different games, and I haven't gotten any others. But but Alto's Adventure is is really nice. Awesome. There's a tennis game that my kids are really into. And now, do, do they have to swing the remote to play that game? Yeah, yeah, they do. And it hasn't gone flying across the room yet? I haven't seen it. Cool. I haven't seen it, yeah. I'm not, we've not uh, experienced a flying across the room situation yet. Yeah, it's, it's funny you should mention the hockey app because I was talking – I was actually talking to my mom recently and she was saying um, that uh, you know she they hang out kind of with a, a younger crowd. In other words, like people that are sort of my age or a little bit older, right? <laughs> That's good. Um, so younger for them. Um, and everybody at this dinner party – and they go oh, – God, they go to so many dinner parties. They're, everybody at this dinner party was talking about Netflix and all the stuff that they watch on Netflix. And I said, well, you know, mom, these are people that live in your neighborhood, which 
which means they have the same crappy internet that you have, right? <laughs> or or they have another way to get internet because you don't you don't watch stuff on Netflix without internet, right? And so I said you should talk to them and find out you know, what kind of internet they have. And if it's the same as you, then, you know, because I have been really reluctant to get an Apple TV for my parents, but my dad, I mean, he's a, you know, way bigger sports fan than I am. Right. And right, right. loves, loves baseball and loves football and, and really loves hockey. And it would be fantastic, but I didn't want to go to the trouble of getting any of those things or setting any of those things up if it was just going to all be terrible because they have terrible internet, right? But but it, again, if, if, if my mom's friends are watching stuff streaming on Netflix, then absolutely for sure that they've got adequate internet. And they, so it should yeah, work. It was very exciting. Yeah. It, that that's cool. So do they? So have they got it? Is that or is that going to be your, your the Christmas your Christmas present to them? Well, the thing that you have to understand about my parents and and I don't know, sorry, mom, if you're listening, um, they uh, they are really slow to make decisions. Early adopters, as they're known. Yes, not oh. early adopters, as they're known. So. Um, so I, again, she, the, I gave her some homework. She has to go do some research, talk to her friends. And then we, we talk usually every week. So, um, we've been talking a little bit more this week, but, um, but yeah, I need to, uh, I need to follow up with her, um, next time we, we have a, our regularly scheduled call and, and, and find out what she's learned, uh, before we, yeah, before we get them an Apple TV. But, but I think it's, uh, it's in the offing. Sweet. Awesome. In the offing. My parents are not, um, they, they do not have an Apple TV, but they do have a DVD player that has the, has the Netflix mm-hmm. and, um, my mom, I think I've shared with you that uh, all of my, um, connections to British television have come cause my parents are really mm-hmm. into it. My mom would just watch DVDs of, mm. um, Fr- Don, French and Don and French, Don French. Mm-hmm. Oh, Don French is fantastic. Fr- yes. yes. And, uh, and are you being served and black mm-hmm. at her? And turns out all those things are on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So she is addicted to the, to the Netflix, um, which is great. It was, uh, uh, so they're, so they're all, they're all in on, on, on Netflix. Um, but, uh, when they come to visit us and they're going to be here, um, on Monday, uh, for Thanksgiving, they cannot figure out Apple TV. Like, <laughs> they, like they're very good at getting to things through their system, but my mm. system is, de- is too, too hard. Mm, Apple TV shouldn't be that hard. It's not, it's not in the Apple. T- do you love the new Apple TV remote? Like with the swiping? I'm not sure I, <laughs> again, not, I'm not sure I love it, it, but it's good. Okay. It's good. It's good. I, I like it. it. I like it. I like it enough. Um, and we've talked before about Acorn TV. Uh, did you yes. mention Acorn to your mom? I, I have, and I don't believe that Acorn is available in Canada. Canada? Ugh. Yeah. Canada's uh, also uh, an, uh, a, a country of early adopters. Mm. Yeah. Well, and uh, oh, and then, yeah, speaking of TV, like the thing that we've been watching, uh, again, on Acorn, and I think we're... I think we're. I think it was the the series, the season finale. Hopefully not the series finale of a fantastic show that we've mentioned here before called Doc Martin. Are you right. familiar with this show? The sh- I'm familiar with, with the shoes. No, but yes, I've I've seen uh, advertising. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, um, yeah, no, but it's it exists somewhere else too. Like, is it on PBS now? Uh, yes, it might be. A, yeah, you can get it. A, it's a it's British TV, so you can yeah. get it a bunch of different places. But the newest season is is streaming on um, Acorn. So, yep. Cool. Hey, good stuff. Um, nice, nice shoe reference, by the way. Thank you. That was that was very clever. Do you ever? Did you own any Doc Martin shoes, Don? No, but I do very much like that song that mentions Doc Martens. <laughs> I, I, Doc, I know about Doc Mc. Well, that that was a ding. That was Doc McStuffins. <laughs> who's a? That's a different person. That's a different doctor. Um, I do you not do you not know the song that I'm referring to? I don't think so. Do I? Oh, okay. Um, uh, it's 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 the song uh, by the Cranberries called "The Rebels." Seemed like yesterday we were 16. We were rebels of the rebel scene. He wore Doc Martens in the sun, drinking vintage cider, having fun. I love drinking it. Drinking vintage cider, having fun. Anyway, I, I don't know. Great that song. One. That's cool. Do you, do, you, do you know the Cranberries, or is that too? Old? Oh, I know. I know the Cran. I know Zombie. Okay. I know um, Linger. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Pretty good. That, yeah. Those two are good. They're big pop, popular uh, the band in in Canada. Got a lot of a lot of Irish people there. Actually. Oh, okay. Funny <laughs> cranberry story for you. For okay. As, as we have uh, cranberry safety talk. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, which it's is a closer. Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving band. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dolores, I believe her name is, uh-huh. uh, lives in uh, Ontario in Peterborough. 
The, oh, how about that? Yeah, the lead singer of Cranberries. The, oh, so go ahead and Google Cranberries and tell me if you get the band because you won't. Well, I, I, I Googled Dolores Cranberries. Dolores I think that's her last name. Dolores O'Reardon. Yeah. We'll link to her Wikipedia. Dolores um, O'Reardon. She lives, I believe, in Peterborough or something. How about that? Yeah, about I read that. something recently about her. I don't know why, why she lives in Peterborough. Why not? Um, I don't know. And maybe it's – I hope it's not the – here you go, Peterborough Examiner. X Cranberries, this is from 2009. Mm-hmm. X Cranberries singer planning to live here full time. This is news in the Peterborough Examiner. Yeah. Limerick born singer Dolores O'Riordan and her family have split their time between Ireland and Canada since buying their house on Big Bald Lake near Buckhorn in 1994. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to live in Canada full time. Oh, well, and, and you know, just in case you're, you're, you come to this podcast for your Dolores O'Riordan news, um, uh, two years ago, uh, no, one year ago, sorry, no, 10th November 2014, oh, O'Rear was arrested and charged in connection with an assault on an Aer Lingus flight from New York to Shannon. An air hostess and a policeman were assaulted, and O'Riordan was held in custody following a visit to the hospital herself. So, wow. Uh, and that was in the Peterborough Examiner because she, so she's a local celebrity now. Oh, my goodness. There you go. Aer Lingus. That's, a, that's something. Um, so, so Don, Ben, um, I've been, uh, some, some videos of me on the internet have been making the rounds. Oh, I, that was very funny. Yes. Apparently what was it? The videos are timeless, but your hairline is not. (laughs) Did you like that? I was fantastic. I was laughing. Literally, literally LOL this morning, Ben. So for those who don't know what I'm talking about, we'll link it, link to it in show notes. Um, uh, four years ago, three or four years ago, um, I got this idea uh, with my good friend Matt Shipman, who who I mentioned I think on the podcast before, and he's a uh, our public information officer at NC State, and he does all my press release stuff and writes the this uh, blog um, called the Abstract, which is the NC State um, research blog, and he's a science communicator guy. Wrote a book about how to be a public information officer at a university. Um, really cool dude. He and I um, were talking in my office one time, and um, we both like to cook. He's got uh, three daughters that are about the same age as uh, my two kids, and we get together um, every um, you know every once in a while and hang out, and we we like to cook at each other's homes and and all that kind of stuff. And we just were like got, talking about the science of turkeys and Thanksgiving, and we decided that we would make these like really nerdy videos. We so we bought. A couple of turkeys uh, got one of our college videographers to just come out, hang out with us. And Matt and I made uh, 20 minutes worth of uh, videos around Thanksgiving. And we split them into different components and then put them up on the Internet. And every year around this time, because it's Thanksgiving, or um, by the time this uh, episode gets posted, it'll be uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, so it'll be timely, timely again. Um it uh, we we bring out these videos and so Matt tweeted about it yesterday and then I I um, blogged about them uh, but uh, it's always fun to to look back at yourself uh, over time and and then I made the joke of the videos are timeless but my hairline is not yep very very funny and and yeah and that's uh, wow I mean that's uh, I'm I'm <laughs> as uh, as the as actually both both of my my, my sons uh, have a, a receding receding hairline so I feel I feel your your pain so well good good yeah it's it's all right I I'm just going with a different hairstyle these days yep it's good it looks good on you thank you my new my current hairstyle thank thank you that's yeah. that's why my name's in your Facebook so much <laughs> very complimentary thank you Don. My pleasure, Ben. Um, hey, so it's been a while since we talked. It has been. Um, I think that let me let me look back. Uh, let me look back. I think the last time um, we spoke was um, no, I'd already been to Dubai. Yeah. Yes. So I, I came back. Um, but um, what I had not done mm. um, was uh, this week. This week, Monday and Tuesday, I spent two days with. Um, health inspectors. I, I'm like often spending time with health inspectors. They're like my favorite people. Mm-hmm. And I trained um, about 30 health inspectors on HACCP and um, on food safety related things to specialized processes like sous vide and um, uh, charcuterie, dry mm-hmm. fermented sausages, all, mm-hmm. the fun, all the fun things. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you this story because I had a um, health inspector tell me about 
a an environmental health specialist, sorry, tell me about a um, outbreak that he investigated at a high school that was really, really interesting. So, Don. Yes. Um, football banquet happens uh, in uh, high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got all these football players all uh, um, hanging out, uh, doing their banquety things. Might be a buffet, might not be. Um, let's let's say for to set the stage, there's a buffet. Mm-hmm. Um, they're eating, uh, you know, roast beef and turkey and ham and vegetables, the things that football players like to eat. Sure. Um, uh, about 200 people at the banquet. Uh, about 30 of them show up at the at the hospital, uh, sick. Oh my gosh! I know it's it's crazy. It's crazy, right? But their symptoms are a little bit odd. Okay. Um, they are sweating. Their eyes are um, uh, very sensitive. The, the whites of their eyes have turned red. Um, and they have uh, their, their skin is, is extremely hot. And so in the first three or four hours of all these people showing up, all very much like six, eight hours after this, um, this banquet hits or happens, um, you know, you've got uh, people that are uh, health care healthcare professionals trying to figure out what types of infectious diseases might cause those things. And they can't find any. Um, And so uh, this guy was telling me is an environmental health specialist was called in, sent to the high school, went to look at uh, the food that was being prepared, went uh, into the the gym where the the banquet was and started sort of looking around because at that point they're like, well, maybe this is environmental, maybe Mm -hmm. it's like a Mm -hmm. chemical, what's, what's going on? Guess what it was? Well, so I've just been typing into my Google, um, sweating, red eyes, hot skin, and then I typed food, and I'm going to hit enter on Google, and uh, it comes up with yogurt. (laughs) You're right. It's yogurt. No. No, No, it wasn't yogurt. It wasn't yogurt. Really no, I think it came up with yogurt because I was searching for 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 yogurt on a, a related, <laughs> a completely unrelated thing yesterday, which I do want to talk to you about. Okay. So, um, uh, but but let's see. So the next the next one is liver damage. Mm. Um, and then uh, yeah, what can what you eat make you sweat? Um, I, I would guess it is some sort of an allergic reaction, but but Google is not is not, not helpful. really being helpful. So what it ended up, what they found as they looked around the environment was Mm -hmm. one of the halogen light bulbs Ah. in the gym had broken um, and not broken enough that the glass fell all over the place, but uh, broken enough that the light stream hit just two tables Mm. and they were exposed to UV, like really direct UV light for two hours during this banquet. Isn't this crazy? Oh my gosh. So they 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 had sunburn. They had sunburn. They're oh sunburned. Gosh. Isn't that wow? So anyway, I, I that is about, wild. Totally wild. And so I was. It was just a great story that um, this individual uh, told me and was like, you know, we do a lot of stuff, and yeah, we really focus on food, but we have events that you know we do environmental health. This is an environmental health thing. We thought it was food because it followed all the like check marks, but all of a sudden, yeah. going to the environment, it's not food at all. Well, right, and it was, but it was people that 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 contracted this illness while they were eating food. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the bizarre that's thing. The only common thing. So, anyway, mm. really great story. Thanks for uh, to to one of my new friends uh, for that. Um, and then I heard one other really cool story that has to do with sous vide because you know mm-hmm. how you and I love the sous vide. You, me, and Merlin, mm-hmm. we love mm-hmm. yep. we love the sous vide. Um, so that's well, one of the things that we teach about in this class is. Uh, sous vide and HACCP plans and using time temperature for pathogen destruction and all the good things, all mm-hmm. the good things. Um, so uh, another environmental health specialist tells me about a story um, where he went to a convention center that uh, was uh, for an event that was being catered by a local uh, restaurant. And they were um, making, well, he walked in and saw a whole bunch of vacuum sealed duck breasts floating mm-hmm. in uh, one of the prep sinks. Mm-hmm. And the prep sink, it was one of those uh, prep sinks that's got sort of two chamber, two basins, right? So you, it won't overflow if one of the drains of, the, of one of the basins is open. So it is uh, hot, hot water is streaming through this prep sink and overflowing into the next one. And it's there for, um, you know, he doesn't know how long. He's like, oh, are you guys thawing this? And uh, the chef says, no, 
our immersion circulator broke, we are actually making sous vide duck breast at 130 degrees Fahrenheit in the prep sink. Well, how about that? How about that? And so uh, not probably the best uh, um, equipment, maybe not as precise as we, what we might see uh, with an immersion circulator. Uh, but, but lots of people like the sous vide. Well, and I guess my question is, how are you monitoring that temperature? Well, they weren't, Don. How do they know it was 130? So when they turn the tap on, they put a thermometer underneath it and set the, the heatness, the hotness, uh, with their uh, nifty um, precise dial, also known as a faucet, uh, <laughs> at 130 degrees based on uh, what their um, non-digital uh, bimetallic stem thermometer said. Huh. At one one point. One At point one time. point. One point time. Until 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 the hot water heater ran out of hot water. Well, there's that. There's that. That's an option. That could have happened. Great. Yeah. Interesting mm-hmm. though. So anyway, that product was disposed. There was mm-hmm. no sous vide that night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think they, um, all, they all ate kale chips. So 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 this this makes me think of a couple couple of different things that we we probably should should touch base on. Um, so first of all, I have a question for you: Is a prep sink a food contact surface? Oh, I'm eating. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. You t- you were talking for a long time, and and then I was supposed to talk, and I yeah. didn't. I just asked you a question. So, um, I think it depends, Don. Okay, because I'm working on a document um, for the Conference for Food Protection, which is the thing that I want to talk to you about. And this is a document that's being written by a committee um, uh, to basically offer to um, the establishments, food, food, food establishments that are regulated by the food code or potentially regulated by, by the various state food codes um, for control of listeria. And we're just in the final stages. So as we, as we record this podcast, it is uh, late November 2015. I, I'm, it's sad that we <laughs> have to add that, to but that we're going to add that. Um, and the deadline is coming up for submission of all of these uh, reports. And in fact, the th- one other thing that I have to do later today is I've got to get on the phone with um, uh, T- Tom Ford, your, your good friend and Tom, golf buddy, Tom Ford. Tom Ford. And, <laughs> that's, that's a Jay-Z song. And, Tom uh, Ford. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. Um, and <laughs> that's okay. And uh, Todd Rossow from, from Publix um, to basically talk how we're, how we're going to finalize this. But I was just... We had our last conference call at the end of October and we kind of ran out of time to do edits. And so people, you know, basically I said, look, we have this list of parking lot items that we didn't get to. Um, I would like everybody to, you know, send, you know, we basically divvy the work up to homework. People are going to send me edits and then I'm going to compile a, a final document with all these little last minute, little tiny edits and send them out. And one of the people who gave us comments was somebody from the FDA who, who said under, you know, we had listed food contact and non-food contact surfaces. And one of the non-food contact surfaces was a prep sink. And she said, oh, well, shouldn't that be, um, shouldn't that be a food contact surface? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So, um, yeah, so I don't know, but uh, yeah. And I guess your answer is right. It depends. It depends. Yeah. I mean, I, so in, in practice, I've seen, um, prep sinks very much used as food contact surfaces, uh, with regards to washing leafy greens, washing mm-hmm. vegetables. Well, that, yep. That was what occurred to me. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've also seen those same food prep sinks used very, um, commonly in, uh, thawing, uh, chicken or usually chicken, other poultry where you would put a, a 30 pound box of, uh, chicken wings or something in, in a food prep sink and just let the water run almost like you were sous vide them. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, so, um, you know, a food contact surface from that standpoint, the, you know, but now we have a food prep sink that's being used for non ready to eat foods and ready to eat foods. And yeah, so I would, I, I would err more on the side of a prep sink. Yes. Being a food contact mm-hmm. surface, but it doesn't, I mean, you could have a prep sink in a facility where someone says, I never put food directly in that. Hmm. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. but, but so. Uh, yeah, but in practice I've seen it done. 
question. Yeah, and that's that was kind of my thing. Is you know we've definitely seen it done. So, and speaking speaking of conference for food protection, the other thing that I thought might be interesting to talk about at least a little bit here is uh, I just uh, I, I received a message, and in fact uh, you also were part of the same message. It was sent I think to all of the academics involved in CFP, um, and this is a message from uh, David McSwain, who is who is the executive director of the CFP, and he says, um, and I think we can talk about this. Yeah, yeah. I think we can. It's public good. information. Yeah. The Ice Maker Equipment Cleaning and Sanitizing Committee in Council One, and then again, CFP is organized into three councils. We'll put a link to the CFP website. Is putting together its final report and issues for next year's biennial meeting, and one of the recommendations it wants to make is that CFP send a letter to academic institutions asking them to conduct a risk assessment with testing and data generation to determine the type of microbiological growth in areas of the ice machine with restricted access or language to that effect. Um, And then he's saying, uh, as you know, CFP can't fund a research project of this type, but we may be able to work with ice machine manufacturers to obtain funding. Any ideas you can provide about the type of academic institution programs we should pursue and the best ways to reach them would be greatly appreciated. Um, And I responded to say my lab at Rutgers University can do this type of research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was hoping that you you would jump in on that. Um, And I was going to mention to you when we talked today that if you were interested in that, I might be interested in trying to collect some data that would help uh, get rid of some assumptions. Cool. And then, and then, and then, the, the, of course, David's immediate response is, "Do you have an idea how much this study, a study of this type, would cost?" <laughs> and I said, "That depends on what they want. There's really no. I mean, I need something more than a title, <laughs> right? Right. To, to estimate the cost, right? And a risk, uh, just a risk assessment." Right, and I would say probably anywhere from you know five thousand to twenty thousand for risk assessment. Right now, if they want to collect data, well, now that we're talking some real money, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 probably you know, and again, I have no ba- idea of background or context. Are you, are you at, you're not active in that committee, are you? No, I don't know. I don't know anything about that committee. Yeah. So, and I do know a couple of years ago, I was talking to somebody that was interested in funding and doing, collecting some research, collecting some data on ice. And I want to say they ended up working with Mark Harrison at UGA. But then I went to look for any publications on, on ice machines that, that Mark and or Judy might have published. Then I, I didn't find anything, but that's because it's really, you know, anyway, it's, it's hard. It'd be hard search for research on ice on Google Scholar and find anything remotely useful. Right. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. I would be very interested in, in the context of all of that. But anyway, so, so yeah, so Conference for Food Protection deadlines are coming up, and uh, and that conference is coming up in, in April of 2016, and hopefully this podcast will be published before then. It might be. It might be. Um, so, I, and I, <laughs> funny, we should mention this, I started my podcast uh, day today a little later because I was also too working on CFP-related items. Um, Three uh, CFP things came across my desk today. One is uh, I also uh, chair a um, committee on food employee training, and we now have um, a vote. Don, it's so formal, this this Mm -hmm. process, you know, as you know. Mm -hmm. So we we have an electronic vote on a document that uh, provides an outline of what um, types of... uh, um, what, basically an outline of what a food employee training program should have, which has been really interesting. Like it's taken over a year to get to a point where we now have a one page document, <laughs> but we that's have one, one more page than you had before. Right. And a one page document in a way it's actually fairly good. Like it, it took us, we started with like a 40 page document and now we have here are really the important things that's, that people need to know. Well, and, and yeah, and in fact, good for you because I, I don't know how long this Listeria document is, uh, but it is a big-ass document, and it's a lot of work to produce a document like that. And, and again, there's and there's still so much work to do. In fact, the, the previous CFP committee uh, basically took that uh, took that document and um, didn't get it finished, right? The, the last right, right. two-year cycle, yeah. they got they got partway done, and then they ran out of steam. We, we took it the rest of the way and hopefully have something – 
approximating a finished document. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard work writing things as a committee. And, and yeah, and if you have a, it's much better to have a one page, really good document than a 40 page document that's kind of meandering and, and contains a lot of irrelevant stuff. Now, in this particular case with Listeria, um, uh, uh, at, you know, Listeria in, in food establishments, it, 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 there's a lot to cover, right? Right, right. So, so it probably needs to be that long, but, uh, but yeah, so man, that's fantastic. It is. It's good. And there'll be a report that goes along with it that says it took us a year to get to a one-page document, but we're pretty comf- comfortable with with it. And yeah. there was consensus. Like, it's actually, I I really, you know, I've mentioned this to you a couple of times. Um, I really like uh, this process. I, I'm happy. I'm so happy that you had invited me and urged me to get involved with it. It's mm-hmm. really been a um, an excellent, from a, you know, professional development, research question, st- you know, side of things. It's been really good. Um, it gets to meet uh, you know new people and and it's been um, we've created something and and again uh, I, so I was I, I met with um, our friend Leanne Jacobs to talk about uh, an issue that that we're going to jointly put together um, for CFP on vomit cleanup uh, nice yeah and 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 I you know as Leanne and I were talking today the the you know ooey gooey part of my insides that gets all excited about this <laughs> is is that. We actually might change the law. Like, yes. Well, not a law. Well, it, not a some, law. It, it is a model code. Right. No, no. But but if it's adopted by reference in some states, we would actually be changing the law. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, like, yes. Yeah. So 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 like we we have this really nice like I I can't think of a bigger impact right like that you know well I guess I could I can think of a bigger impact if we actually change people's behaviors. But well, but the it, regulation but around those is yeah, a big deal. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and actually that brings that brings two things to mind that I want to talk about. Okay, one encouraging people to get involved with stuff, and two changing the law or 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 new changes to regulations coming out. And and let me let me. Because we're we're all kind of we're kind of all over the place, but there's a lot of good like we're, we're, we got a, we got we got some real momentum going on here. Let's um, go. Let's keep going. Um, so, in terms of getting people to get involved, um, as you know, but as our listeners don't know, um, our friend, our good friend and colleague Michelle Daniluk has been in Japan. And the reason why she's been in Japan is she is consulting for ICMSF. Um, and ICMSF stands for the International Commission on Microbiological Specifications for Foods, which is kind of like a, a who's who of world experts on food uh, microbiology. And um, and so uh, Michelle is over there in, in Japan at this meeting, and she has been sending us all kinds of text messages looking for help and and asking for help in 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 basically contacting people that she, might she be wanted, at the movies with yeah. their kids or uh, taking having other famous well-known food microbiologists moving forward. She shared with us that she was responsible for basically shepherding uh, uh, someone into writing something, you know, and, and anyway, so it's just been, it's been very, and, and so, oh, and well, we probably, hmm. I don't know if I if we should share if I should share this particular thing. Maybe I'll share this with you off the air. Oh, okay. Um, so we can talk about something else. You want me to jump in? N- uh, oh, you got something? No, else? no, no. Let me let me let me just say that I think Michelle is really enjoying. I hope she's really enjoying. I'm really enjoying Michelle being involved in ICMSF and and just like you know, maybe you, uh, maybe I got you involved in CFP. Um, I'm not sure I got Michelle involved in ICMSF, but when I was asked by people if she would be a good candidate, I, I gave her a ringing endorsement. And so, uh, I'm maybe in a little way responsible. I think, I think you're probably enjoying CFP more than Michelle is enjoying ICMSF because I think she kind of feels like there's a little bit of, uh, uh, like rookie hazing going on, (laughs) but, uh, but anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. It's it's very exciting to see, uh, to see my two non uh, students, but but still my, you know, like like the the younger generation, the younger generation of people I'm mentoring who are not my students, right? Yeah. Your your uh, your Doug student and um, uh, Michelle is Linda's student. Um, but I, I kind of feel like some, like, you know, like, I, like I'm the I'm the like your uncle, your yeah. scientific uncle, you know, yeah, your uncle, yeah, Uncle Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Donnie from Jersey, Jersey, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't get about it. He's like telling us all about the pizza. You, yeah, you come on over here. We'll get you some pizza over here. 
Um, um, oh, but then the other thing I want to talk about is, again, to make this completely topical for the current uh, situation, but completely atopical for um, anybody who's listening to this because this won't be published for a while. But FDA just came out with uh, produce rules. They did. And, and I wanted to share, this has never happened to me before. FDA called me the day before the rules were going to come out and said, hey, um, we'd like to uh, – we'd just like to – to brief you about the rules. Would that be okay? I'm like, yeah, that'd be okay. You could, <laughs> you could talk to me about the rules. And so I had a little quick, uh, like 20 minute phone call where they, they told me about the rules and they said, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, they sound, that sounds pretty good. I'm not sure what I think is really material at this point, but <laughs> that's awesome for letting me know. Thank you. I feel special. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I feel not special because no one called me from FDA. Well, Ben, but, I mean, you got to realize I've been at this game for a long, 20, took me 25 years to get that call. All right. Well, I got, I got another like 15 years ago get these calls um but but i do like that like what if you hadn't like what if you didn't like them what if you're like you know what i think you guys should well, not release these tomorrow I well know and, and, and <laughs> yeah exactly but specifically they were asking about uh the water provision of the rules and and mm-hmm. testing of the water provision and there, and again there was some back and forth before and emails around the the water because the 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 microbiological standards for water it's a bit contentious but i think they skated you know pretty much neatly through any of the the potential issues there and they did a pretty good job so they did yeah, I, I, I give it i give it a i give it a i give it a i give it an 8.5 8.5 on a, on the scale of, uh, scale of 1 to 11. 1 to 11. Good, good. I had um, I had some exchanges, text exchanges with people that I know from the from the federal government during hmm. this the, when this was all going down. Mm-hmm. And one of the messages I got was, "Is the do you know if the produce industry is freaking out?" And I actually don't think they are. Hmm. I don't think. I mean, this is you know purely maybe there are some some folks, but the this drawn out process of five years of going from here's the food safety modernization act we're coming up with rules we have consultation give us some stuff here's a proposed rule okay we you, we see you didn't like that here's some supplemental stuff what do you think let's mm-hmm. go through a bunch of co- comments i think that it you know i on one hand it's like oh it would have been great to have this done earlier like you always want it quicker but in, uh, in another sense, it's like they kind of did it right when this with this whole stakeholder engagement, slow pace kind of thing, where when the actual rule comes out, everyone kind of knew exactly what was going to be in it. Maybe not maybe 90, you know, 95 percent of it. And we weren't sure um, we, we knew what they were thinking originally. And uh, it might have might have changed a little bit um, based on feedback. But it all I, I don't think people freaked out. I don't I don't know. Well, and and this reminds me of something very interesting, which is um, John Roderick's run for Seattle City Council. Now, I don't know – you know who John Roderick is. I do. Roderick on the Line. Roderick on the Line podcast. Did you listen to – have you – do you listen to that? Okay. No, no. I hear hear it's crap. (laughs) So angry right now. So angry. Um, Yeah, so – it's a great podcast. You should be listening. Um, but one of the things that John talked about on the podcast during the time he um, was running for a Seattle City Council, and you know, spoiler alert, he did not win. But one of the things, one of the reasons why the political establishment and the powers that be were very scared of him is they didn't know what he was going to do. Yes. Right? And so – this whole process with the produce rule reminds me it's really it's not yes there's changes to the rule to the regulations yes it's modernizing our standards but the biggest thing is telegraphing what you are going to do the, because the whole process the oh, whole process yeah. so that it takes 5 years because the the regulated industry you know whether it's the people of Seattle or whether it's the produce industry right they don't like surprises no everybody it's like change is going to happen okay that's fine sometimes we get changes we like sometimes we, sometimes we get changes we don't like but the main thing is we just don't want to be surprised right we we want this big long choreographed 5 year process to know and and again that's part of the reason i think why john probably didn't win he might have fantastic ideas, but he but he has no they just he has no history. He has no record as an elected official. They just don't know what he's gonna do. And that absolutely terrifies people, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's just it's a complete you know, it's just a complete question mark. So 
And you can have, it can work if you do um, little small changes, many of them, mm-hmm. as opposed to one sort of big one at the end. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, Well, the- yeah, and let's bring it back to the CFP process, right? CFP works every two years to make changes to – well, actually, it's every four years they make changes to the code and, the, and then they, they update the code. But but basically, it's, it, is, it is slow, but they're small changes. And, and it's, so it's iterative on the, existing, uh, on the existing model code, whereas this produce rule is a, a brand new thing. But it, again, it's, got to, it's still got to take that really, really long time. Right, right, right. Exactly. And, and people, I think, get bored of it <laughs> right, uh, on purpose, right? Like that's, that's, yep. that's part of it. Um, you know, we've heard, we've heard Mike Taylor uh, 150 times in the last six, five or six years talk about how the Food Safety and Modernization Act is, you know, the most sweeping, widespread change and update to food safety laws in the United States. And it's going to revolutionize everything. And it's coming, and it's and mm-hmm. just wait. It's com- mm-hmm. it's coming, mm-hmm. Don. It's gonna it's mm-hmm. gonna be here soon. And no, is is that it? No, that's not it. It's coming sooner. It's coming, or just wait, just wait a couple more years. And and I think people get bored about it, and that's okay. Like I mean, that's that's all part of the uh, all part of the process. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it it it, it is. Um, I think that it's nice to know. We've had a, a big idea of exactly what was going to happen in there, but it's nice to have it all fall in place because it, it lets a lot of the next steps uh, start to move, which is the Produce Safety Alliance trainings, the Food Safety uh, Preventive Controls Alliance trainings. You know, it, it, the, the rule becomes the trigger for actually changing behaviors and changing the industry. Um, and, then, and I think there's, there'll always be... Um, challenges and growing pains as it gets implemented, but now we're we're at the stage of like, okay, well, let's go do it. Let's figure it out. Yeah, well, and that's certainly <clears throat> where we are with preventive controls. And and you and I are going to be in Washington the first week in December. Um, not really clear what's going to happen because there is no agenda yet for that meeting. But the steering committee of the Preventive Controls Alliance is going to meet, and we are going to do something. Dope. So we'll, um, we're going to steer, Don. We're going to steer. All right. We're going to go to the Army Navy Club and we're going to steer. I'm bringing a naval captain's hat. Oh, awesome. I well, think that's an, an admiral. I'm, I think I'm an, ad, an admiral in, the, in this and, uh, and I will be steering the ship. Excellent. I'm pretty sure the admiral doesn't steer the ship. But the admiral should. I mean, if there's anybody that I should be admirals allowed. admirals have people for that. Well, but if – I mean if the admiral wanted to steer the ship, he could. Or well, he, could. yes, that's that's true. Right? Yeah. Like this is I'm, – I'm, yeah, that's, that's what, I'm, what I mean, what I mean by this. Hey, um, okay, switch gears up a little bit. Sure. Um, you know that uh, the Doug and I have, have talked a bunch um, uh, in Barf Blog and, and most famously at, at, a, um, at a public debate at IAFP um, about uh, marketing food safety? Is that, that's not the one where Doug talked about his wife's breasts, most, right? Most certainly is. Most certainly oh, okay. Yes. That, oh, this yes. Is, okay. Sorry. Yes. You're familiar with. I think you're familiar, I'm familiar with, with his work. Yes. Yeah. You're, I'm familiar with that, with, with with some of his early work on, on that. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So here's here's some some stuff, some background on it. Uh-huh. We He and I have been talking about this concept for a long time, and it's really about being open and transparent and telling people what you do for food safety and the fact that there are certain – um, businesses that are better at food safety than other businesses and certain places, certain organizations might even have data that, that shows that they're pretty good at food safety, but the industry is like, we can't compete on food safety. Right. Right. Like that's the the situation. Mm -hmm. So I tweeted something today. I don't know if you saw it, a really interesting United States department of agriculture blog post from Ed Avalos, USDA undersecretary for marketing and regulatory programs. He had a blog post that went up uh, today at 10 a.m. that says it starts like this. Finding new ways to market the safety and quality of your food is the key to success in the agriculture industry. Whoa. What? WTF, Don? Yeah, that's. I think he's been listening. Maybe. It, I think that the retail – I think that some of our friends in this world that say food safety is not competitive are going to um, – I don't know, like – some some term that I can't use it will get an explicit tag. Mm-hmm. 
But the headline of this blog post is food safety marketing helps pave path to success at a produce auction at, at produce auction. Um, I think I texted this to you. Wow. Oh, no, I didn't. It's sitting here in my you can't even look at it yet. There you go. Yeah, um, no, I got it. US, USDA.gov. Wow. But like, wow. People's what? heads are I can I can hear people's heads exploding. I got this t- this t- this uh, email because I'm on. You know, I I have I, I subscribe to all the good publications. Uh-huh. Um, Fortune, uh, Time, uh, mm-hmm. the USDA AMS uh, newsletter. Uh-huh. Um, and as soon as I see this uh, this public you know this blog post, I'm, I, I'm like I go straight to Twitter and write USDA is talking to marketing food safety now. Progress. Whoa. And no one said anything. Like I don't know if the Twitter my Twitter might be down. Um, huh. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we're just uh, ahead of our time. Yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, t- Twitter. I have a strange relationship with Twitter, um, and mostly I just go to Twitter when when I'm all caught up on Facebook, which is which is really <laughs> bad. I mean, I know, I know all of my uh, food, my non food safety, all of my nerd friends from the internet really like Twitter and don't use Facebook. And, but you know, I what can I say? I that's not me, right? I'm I'm all my. Friends are on Facebook. Certain friends, I talk about them all the time on Facebook. Apparently, all my friends are on oh. Facebook. Sounds like a it's a that's a song. I think. I think it is a song. Or if it's not, it should be a song. Um, but but this is this is this is really this is interesting. I wonder I wonder what's going to happen with this. Um, so yeah, you it, should you should if you you're going to blog about this. I'm going to blog about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to you know try and recreate the story I just I just told you that we've yeah. been talking about it for a long time and and it goes into, um. You know, on a recent trip to the Shenandoah Valley Produce Auction in Dayton, Virginia, I saw approximately 400 growers use this auction to share their bountiful harvest. Um, during the auction, it was exciting to see growers showcasing their commitment to food safety. In fact, the Shenandoah Valley website promotes their growers who are audit certified. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's not it, it, it's not like the exact same thing that we're talking about, but at least we're talking in the same language mm-hmm. uh, around it. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting. So maybe USDA even says that um, it would be okay if food safety was marketed. And and maybe it isn't a non-competitive issue. Yeah, a, I don't know. In, just interesting times. Interesting times. Interesting times. If you look at the word cloud uh, on uh, the USDA blog, my name doesn't appear there. In, no, I was all. just noticing that. Tom Vilsack, though, Tom Vilsack. very prominent, very big, prominent. Big guy in this in this blog. Yep. Jobs bill, farmers, conservation, and then yep. kind of small food safety. Yeah, yeah. But it's there. Anyway, it, I, I don't know, interesting thing that, that I saw that I liked. Um, another good one that I saw yesterday that I blogged about. Uh-huh. Uh, someone who was um, in, coming from Mexico to um, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, had their luggage opened, um, and uh, 450 uh, illegal pork tamales were confiscated from them in their luggage. <laughs> and uh, yes, great, great, great headline. Uh, are those 450 <laughs> illegal tamales in your pocket uh, luggage, uh, or are you just happy to see me? Um, uh, Beverages Law of Headlines says no. no yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, did, I don't know if you know. That picture is great. It's really it's awesome. And, but I mean, why? So, first of all, why are you bringing 450 tamales? Like, are the tamales in Mexico that much better than those that are available in in Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm and sure this who, is the first. Who wants 450 of them? I don't know. And oh, what kind of temperature control did they have? These None. are pork tamales. They're pork tamales. Now maybe they're using time as a public health control. Uh, it's a short flight. <laughs> I don't know where it's a flight into LAX. I guess the question is, where are they coming from? Yeah, yeah I don't know. International. Anyway, so read the, the read the USA Today article and maybe maybe we'll find out. No, um, it doesn't say. No, it doesn't say. No. Anyway, the traveler was assessed a one thousand dollars civil penalty for commercial activity with the intent to distribute. Oh, I'm I'm amazed they didn't claim that it was all for them. It was. I'm, I, I just love these. Really tamales. like pork tamales. I really like them. Yeah. What are you going to do with these tamales? Eat them, of course. Eat them. <laughs> Do you want one? You want one of my tamales? God, I'm feeling a little peaked right now. I think I might chow down. Actually, I wouldn't have minded tamales. I like tamales. I, I like. I, <laughs> this is tamale safety talk at this point. But I had never had a tamale until I moved to Raleigh. Uh huh. 
and I didn't even know what it was. Like, I mean, I've heard yeah. what tamales were because, you know, I've mentioned that there's no Mexican food in Canada. Mm-hmm. There's just Taco Bell. Um, and, uh, I love them. I love this, uh, like polenta, um, you know, whatever cornmeal and pork thing. That's, it's awesome. And wrapped in corn. Wrapped in corn husk. Yeah. You know, I, I did, I, you know, I, you always hear about tamales, right? But I don't think I had tamales until I guess one time, maybe on a Boy Scout camp out or something, we were, we were, somebody, you know, brought some tamales. So yeah, it's not something that I've had a lot, but I really, I really do like it as well. Oh, it's good. It's good. So, so speaking of polenta, <laughs> yes, I do, do. You want to talk about uh, your latest fascination I, with polenta? I do. I had a very uh, interesting uh, text exchange with you and Linda and, and Michelle, uh, Linda Harris and Michelle Danilek, friends of the friends of the show, um, because I had another. Uh, you know, I'm in this environmental health inspector world, environmental health specialist, and I had a one of my friends here who was looking. Uh, they're looking to take action on a business owner who is making a fermented cornmeal uh, dumpling, which is of um, Ghanese, Guyanese, from okay. Ghana. Yep. Ghana. Yep. Would, is that Ghanese? Ghana? Yeah. Guyanese. No, is it Guyanese? Because wouldn't that be Guyana? I don't know. Yeah, which is a diff- entirely a different, different spot. Well, anyway, it's from Ghana. Yep. Um, it's a fermented food, and it's something called, um, you may know about it, it's called Banku or Kenki. kenki. Hmm. No, have you heard no. that? Do you know that? They live, nope. down, they live in Banku uh, and Kenki. No, yeah, Banku and Kenki. There. Uh, when I when I when I type in Banku, it's uh, it gets a Playboy official video clip. I'm oh, pretty sure that's not the right Banku. It's a different kind of uh, fermented Banku. corn. <laughs> hey, hey, um, Anyway, so the, it's fermented corn dumplings. They uh, they were asking some questions about um, the product itself, and mm-hmm. so you know, hey, anytime I got a fermented food question, where do I go? Fred Bright. Of course. So Mr. I, Mr. Dr. Fermented Food. Dr. Fermenti. Um, <laughs> wait, doc, what was it? Dr. Dr. Demento? Do you know about that? Yes. Yeah, well, he's Dr. Fermento. Hey. Hey. Um, on, so, wait, wait, wait. Say, say, that, say that again. Dr. Fermento. Thank you. Excellent. I got to get one of those. Um, so, of course, five minutes after I email Fred, this, is, this, this story goes back a couple of weeks. He, he sends me. Yeah, I found. I found it. I found it. I found in, it on the internet. Indigenous fermented foods. Yeah. You know about it. And guess who wrote this paper? Who? Larry Beauchat. Of course he did. Of course he did. So anyway, he talks about it. Yes, these are uh, fermented grains, steamed for hours. Safety issues for the vegetative pathogens shouldn't be a big concern. Um, and pH values are usually well below four point six in in ah. friends. So good. Good news. So that's what we send on to environmental health. They're all happy. Now they go in and inspect a little further. And unfortunately, Banku Kenki uh, that's being made in this one establishment here in North Carolina, they are not steaming the grains. What they're doing is taking cornmeal, adding room temperature water, Mm -hmm. letting it sit and ferment for three to four days, Mm -hmm. and then making a dumpling out of it. Okay. And so I asked you and Linda... Because I know very little about cornmeal and polenta. Because polenta is essentially this, you know, it's a cooked version of, you know, pre, it's just cornmeal that's got water in it, like an oatmeal. Um, and uh, so I ask you guys if you know uh, about the pH and, uh, of it. And uh, and, and I, in my search of pH of corn and corn type things, I find that corn starch has a pH this like crazy variability of pH like four to seven mm-hmm. and corn syrup has like a pH of four uh, six, oh, sorry, 5.6. And then corn itself is in this like 5.6 to six area. Um, so it sounds like from what we would look at that this process of fermenting it at room temperature with a lot of water um, would, prov- would, be would qualify this food as a non as a TCS food, a time temperature control for safety food, um, and it's not steamed like it is in uh, the traditional uh, paper that Larry Beauchat write, wrote that Fred Bright sent me. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, so you should send me the the title of that, and we'll we'll link to that in show notes. I will but do that. <clears throat> what I would say is yeah very definitely so this this process i mean it may well ferment over that time period but it obviously they're not adding a starter culture they are relying on whatever lactics <clears throat> are present in the cornmeal 
to do this fermentation. And that, while it might work most of the time, it is not it is not a controlled reproducible process. And so if they if they do want to do that, yes, certainly steaming the product first, um, adding a starter culture, you know, those are all good things they can do to help control the fermentation. But you know, you never know. I mean, you might just have a situation where that product, if you get the wrong batch of cornmeal in there, um, you could have a food poisoning outbreak, right? Because you, you know, you if if you get some salmonella, and, and we know there's salmonella. In wheat flour, it wouldn't surprise me a bit that we occasionally have salmonella in corn grits. And guess what? Under the right conditions, that salmonella can dominate and take over that fermentation, and you could have trouble. So, and I would also look at something. Um, you know, since it's <coughs> going to be fermented, I don't know the next process of the dumpling. Like if that's steaming the vegetative cells, but what about a little bit of Staph uh, aureus? Some well, formation. exactly right. If it's if that it's hand. Serious, maybe yep. even. Yep. yep. Both of those make heat stable toxins. Um, even if the product is going to be cooked after, those heat stable toxins will survive. Yeah. So. So Benku Kenki, and there's a joke in there somewhere, <laughs> but it's, I'm sure it's offensive. So I'm just going to not say it. Whatever it is, I was thinking, I'm not going to say. Good. Um, cool. Well, I have a, like a hard out in like in nine minutes. Oh my gosh. But it's okay. We can let's, Whoa, let's it's get be back. shorty. Yeah, it'll be shorty. But we'll get back in. We'll get back into it. We're over. We're like an hour now, which is because yeah. time time flies when we're having fun, Don. <laughs> this so, this was a this was a good one. This is all. It's always it's a good, good one. It's always good. It's now. It's like pizza. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I you know I I was not eating pizza for a while because of gluten's and oh. I eat pizza now and oh I can eat the heck out of some pizza Ben. Are I, you? I, I like some pizza. Are you back on the glutens? Or are you like moderating the glutens? What you know, you, you I, am, I am. I uh, am. I am gluten free except when I'm not. I, except for the pizzas. Yeah, I'm, I understand that. I, I hear you. Um. Oh, so I have one more. We we had a little bit of follow up mm. from uh, last time. We talked about Chipotle and this, mm -hmm. this outbreak of um, E. coli O two six that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so the 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 um, uh, follow up is. Uh, no one knows what caused the outbreak, right? Like, right. So, so right. It yeah. No. Like no. Wait, they st they closed the stores. They cleaned the stores. People are speculating it might be fresh produce, but nobody really knows. Yeah, and and so it's a. This is another. All these things are good examples for us, right? Mm -hmm. So we often never get to the smoking gun, and we know people got sick. They got sick at Chipotle. We know that there were probably a bunch of common suppliers. It seemed like produce might be it. Maybe, and I'm guessing we'll see this um, at some point, that the odds ratios in those case control study said, you know what, there are 17 different things here, and none of them are coming up like a high enough odds ratio for a threshold, and it all looks really messy, so sorry, we don't know. We don't even know mm -hmm. what it is. And then mm -hmm. they followed up with some suppliers, couldn't find it there, um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's – that's horrible stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. because it doesn't console the folks that got sick. And I, I, I don't want to project things on them, but mm -hmm. I would think if I got sick, I'd really want to know why I got sick and what mm -hmm. someone was going to do to make sure that the next person didn't get sick. Yeah. So, so anyway, that was the that was the last bit of follow up. It's like a it's like a follow up. Because well, we and just don't have an answer, and that and that happens sometimes. In fact, that happens a lot. Like right, like a lot of the outbreaks we talk about are outbreaks where, you know, we know the answer, but there are so many where we never learn. Yeah, right? and, and that's, um, as they say, job security for us. Yes, but also frustrating. Yes, because, because it means we can't we can't progress it. Like, yeah. what would Chipotle do differently? I don't know. We don't know what the problem was. Maybe they should do more with their suppliers. Okay, which ones? Don't know. Well, they should definitely do something because this is three outbreaks in less than a year. Four. So four. Oh. Four. There was one that was uh, um, co not covered up. It just wasn't public. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Four outbreaks. It's not good. That's not a good thing. That and, actually. And we we can't say who you talked to about food safety culture, but we can say it wasn't Chipotle. <laughs> it was not Chipotle. I know that. I don't know the Chipotle food safety person. Do they have one? Do we do this? I know we, we practiced this same uh, thing when, when we were talking about Bluebell. Bluebell, yeah. I didn't, I didn't oh. look to see if anybody from Chipotle is a member of IAFP. I just dropped my apple on the floor. Mm. It's all right. It's a, it's a pink lady. Oh, so my. It's, so it's, 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 a, it's so provocative. Um, no, so it's, so it's a little it's – got a, it's got a high brick. Uh, you know what that is? 
Uh, bricks? Yeah, high bricks. I think, I think that maybe that's what it is. It's a pressure, right? It's how hard it is. <laughs> I'm really confused. You know what I'm talking about? I think that's what it's called. Bricks, you measure, is, it bricks a, is, uh, is the sugar content. Oh, sugar content. I thought it was pressure. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm, you are, you're, I'm the confused one. Okay. Which one are you? I don't know. I'm, I'm Ben. I'm, I, you know what? Just for the rest of the podcast, I'm Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Oh, spe- speaking of Brett Michaels, um, Gibbs was just here and keeping me company. What's up, Gibby? He's gone now. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Chapman, though. You should. That's a great name. It's a great name for a dog. It's a great name for a dog. There was I, one of my, uh, someone I knew had a, had a dog named Chappie. Chappie. That's, yeah, yeah short, Chappie, short for Chapman. It yeah. is. is I get, sometimes people call me that. They're just don't call me late for dinner, Don. Um, <laughs> Chappy. Whoa. Yeah. So I got a. I got a heart out. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go talk to somebody. I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta go see see somebody about a girl. Gotta see a man about a horse. Yeah. I gotta go see a man. No. Remember what was the what's that line from uh, Good Will Hunting? Gotta go see about a girl. See I don't know. Girl. Yep. That is. I gotta go see. That's uh, Robin Williams character uh, tells uh, Matt Damon a story about it, and then at the end of the movie, Matt Damon says, "I gotta go see about a girl." It's the same term. Oh, how about that. Yeah. It's great. It's good. I like that movie. Goodwill Hunting. Yes, yeah. it's a good movie. Uh, and that this has been uh, Movie Safety Talk, um, sponsored by Netflix and Apple TV. Uh, all right, Don. We should so, call this a show. Yes. Unless, do we do we need to do our scheduling another time? No, no. Show? I got we got three minutes. We can. All right. Yeah, cool. we can do that. So, um, food safety talk episode. Um, and uh, thanks uh, thanks again for listening, Don. I, literally, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, it's so much fun, Ben. I really look forward to these calls. Me too. So uh, we'll see see everybody soon on the flip side. And uh, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, sorry, I had to. I forgot that I had something scheduled at twelve thirty or two thirty, and I mm. knew I had. Oh, that's an hour and a half. But then I got here. You late, were late. Then, yeah. So sorry about that. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's schedule. We got the holidays. How's December third look? Well, you know, I have a short course, but I'm actually not teaching in the course that day. So I'm actually – I got to be on campus, so I need to bring my, my gear, as they say, yeah. to campus. But I'm free anytime. Me too. Um, I have – all morning, I'm going to talk to Renee Boyer at 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I have nothing. So what, what if we say uh, 10 a.m.? Perfect. Okay. And that gives you time if you have to get that course started. Yeah, I got to get the course started. Exactly. Um, okay. FST. Perfect. And then we're on a roll. Well, we at least know who's doing what. And I'm the yep. bottleneck. Yep. Yep. Good. As long as we're clear on that. And then you have two episodes done, right? Like, uh, Yeah, I have one. Um, yeah, two done. episodes mostly done. Doesn't so, matter. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I, you can't do anything with them until I do mine. So, Well, we could do them out of order, but I, yeah, yeah be- better just, it's confusing enough. So, it'll better, totally better. mess us up. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, sorry to catch you loose. Oh yeah, no no worries. Thanks and uh we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Don. All right. Bye. Bye.